Welcome, and thanks for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org. Today's reading is from Hebrews 12, 3 through 11. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines those who he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, We have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness." to those who have been trained by it. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, Natalie. So we're going to look at a passage this morning that mentions the word discipline eight times, I think. And I don't know about you, but when I think of the word discipline, I think of a ruler, a specific ruler that's not in my hands, a specific ruler that used to be in the hands of my high school math teacher. I had a number of high school math teachers, but there's one in particular. She'll remain nameless, but all of my classmates know exactly who I'm talking about. So if they were to watch this, they would know. Because discipline always meant that. that that's what it meant. What, one time, the yardstick that she had ended up this size because of discipline. But as we come to this passage, I want you to get rid of the thought of that. Because that is not what discipline is in Scripture. And there is a reality. When circumstances seem to turn against us, we can be tempted to think that we are just immediately out of God's favor and he's he's got something hard for us because we think about the ruler. We think about, this is just... There's something coming my way because I haven't done what I'm supposed to do. But God has something good for us in the trials that we face. So I'm going to just pray right now because I know that this subject is hard. The subject is hard because life is hard. And sometimes hard things that we encounter, there's there's those that are seated in this room. There are those that are watching online. There's, there's friends that you know in our church and outside our church that are just going through stuff that's just hard. And the last thing I want to happen is to have someone just feel crushed because really this passage gives us 
hope and transforms the way we look at this category of trials and discipline. So let's just pray. Father, if there's, if there's anyone here this morning that's feeling anxious that we're going to be talking about this subject because they just feel beat down by life, I pray, God, that you would meet them right now. I pray for the friends I know that are walking through cancer right now or the friends that I have that are walking through trials, trials that, that they're experiencing that aren't, aren't happening because of anything that they did. God, would you meet them this morning? Would you meet us this morning and open our eyes to the love that you have for us? We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Well, I want to answer four questions this morning as we look at this text. The first question isn't really a question. It's kind of, it's more of a statement. What discipline is not? Not what discipline is, but what, what is it? What is discipline not? Discipline is not punishment. In Scripture, discipline is not punishment. Generally, it's not just some automatic recourse for something that you've done. Discipline is, is more training. The word discipline comes from a root word generally mean, meaning to teach or instruct as you would a child. To correct, it, it can also mean to correct, but broadly it signifies much of what we would think of as discipline for the purpose of education. And significantly, God's discipline of his children never involves his wrath. As we look at Scripture, God's discipline of his children never involves his wrath. Every reference in the New Testament on the subject indicates that God's wrath rests upon and is reserved for those who reject him. That's where God's wrath rests. And throughout Scripture, God's plans are to bless his people. Even in the times where we find God's people in disobedience, where they're not doing what God has asked them to do, and they're experiencing the consequences for their sins, we still see God leaning forward. He's waiting to bless. You hear him say, well, repent so that I can bless you. He's eager. He's wanting them to experience his love and his grace and his blessing in their lives. It's not happening just because he's honked off and he just feels like letting his anger out on somebody. That's not the picture that we have. God not only allows trials in our life, but he ordains them. But it's not punishment. And again, I get it. Life sometimes is just plain hard. And we don't often have explanations for why life is hard. But we want to ask the question, well, why am I going through this, God? Why am I going through this trial? Why is my friend going through this trial? Why do they have to endure this thing? We don't have to know the answers to why. But it's not punishment. The hardship in trials or discipline should move us first to consider Christ. It should move us first to consider Christ. Look at verse 3, because this whole section starts with this. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or 
faint-hearted. Before we unpack even discipline, we need to look to Christ because the text looks to Christ. The text says, consider him. If we don't consider him first, we're going to go sideways in the way that we think about discipline or the way that we understand discipline. Because we, we consider him for endurance. Consider him who endured so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Jesus endured the punishment that we deserve. The wrath that was reserved to be poured out on those who reject God was poured out on God's Son. That's not coming at you when you're feeling the trials that you experience. It's not God's wrath. Jesus took upon himself the full and complete wrath of God. He was made sin for us. John so hopefully shared at the end of the service that Jesus went before us. He shared the illustration that his son uh, runs in cross country and before cross country, the, all of the runners typically will walk the route before they run. Jesus ran the race. He ran it perfectly so that you don't have to run it perfectly. He endured for us. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. We could stop right now. We could literally stop right now and not go on in the text because if you consider him, it makes all the difference in the world. Makes all the difference in the world. You don't have to unpack the nuances or understand is it as a result of your sin or is it as a result of God's trying to teach you something that you're just too hard headed to understand. No, just consider him who endured. Consider him. That's what gives us perspective. We consider him for perspective. Things aren't often as bad as we think that they are. And again, when a friend of ours is in the midst of just receiving some really hard news, we aren't flippant in saying, consider Jesus. We are good. Look, it's really not that bad. Look at what Jesus had to deal with. You don't have to die for the sins of the whole world. Really, it's not that bad that you got cancer. No, we're not harsh like that. We stop and say, no, consider him. In the weakness in which you're at, consider him. Consider him. Consider what he did. We did not receive what we deserved. We do not live under the ultimate consequences of our sin. This hard thing is being used because he loves you. 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So that, that truth is amazing, friends. And if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, God's using hard situations in your life to draw you to himself. It's not punitive. It's not an evidence that God doesn't exist. It's actually evidence that he does exist and he's pursuing you. And he wants you to trust in his son and he wants you to see his son as we look at this text this morning. We may not understand our situation, but when we look at Christ, we can say, I live under broken systems and relationships. 
but I can trust you. But I can trust you because I see your love because of what Jesus has done, and that's what we need to know. We need to know that God loves us. Look at verse 5. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? So this is a quote from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. He says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. So don't take this lightly. Don't blow it off. Don't take this lightly. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. I'm going to read that again. The Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. That flies in the face of, of, of our fleshly impulse. It flies in the face of, of modern day thought. Like, you don't love someone if you do something that causes them hardship or anxiety. I mean, any of you who've worked in Harvest Kids, if you've tried to help them not take the toy from the other child, maybe that child said, you don't love me. Or parents, you've sure, you've sure heard that statement in your house before. Or aren't we all guilty? We, we forget we were this tall once and our parents said, you can't have the cookie. And you were like, you don't love me if you won't let me have the cookie. God's word says he disciplines the ones that he loves and he chastises every son whom he receives. The hardship that you are going through ultimately is going to be used by God to grow you, to see him more clearly. And that shows that he loves you because when you see God more clearly, you have a perspective on actually how the world works. You see his pursuit of you. It's counterintuitive in our, in our flesh to think about these things, but we have to know, no, this is actually a good thing for you. I mean, as parents, there are times when you have to correct your children and you know it's because you love them. It's not good when you go camping if your child thinks it's awesome to stick their hand in the fire. No parent is going to be like, ah, you know what? I just don't want to hurt their feelings. Just let them. No. You're going to stop them. You're going to correct them. Why? Because you love them. And in that moment, they don't get it. They don't get the broader scope of things. They don't understand that if you eat 10 pounds of candy, it will not go well with your physical body. They don't get it. Sometimes we don't get it. But it can be good. So we gotta know that God loves you. So that's, we first look to Christ and we look no further than the cross of Christ to know that God loves us. Second question I wanna ask, I wanna ask is why do we need God's discipline? Let's look at verse seven. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? The, the, 
We're God's children. And we're often in need of two things. We're often in need of correction and training. Correction and training. So to correct our course, that's how we're gonna endure because we're gonna be going down the wrong path or we need to be trained what it is we need to do. So to correct our course, when we're going in the wrong direction, either by sin or by lacking wisdom, we, we need to be corrected. Like when my dad told me as I was first driving, as I turned right on red, uh, not stopping, but hey, I heard of this thing right on red. So when you come to a red light, you just, you can keep turning right, right? And he's like, no! Yeah, that was, that was correction because of my lack of wisdom. But it was needful for me. In that moment, thankfully, there wasn't another car coming through the intersection. But there were many cars that came through intersections for years to come, and that correction was good. That was kind of lacking wisdom. Other times, it's because of our sin. If I think of David and Bathsheba, David sinned by committing adultery with Bathsheba and then killing her husband. And the result of that, his infant son died. His older son, Amnon, raped his half-sister. Then Absalom murdered Amnon and started a rebellion against David and his throne. Now, maybe you've not experienced those kind of repercussions, cataclysmic repercussions from sin, but we see that David encountered the Lord. Whether you read, you can take some time this afternoon, read Psalm 51 or read Psalm 119, verses 67 and 71. We see where God, what God did in David's heart through the discipline that was hard. It was as a result of his sin. But are, are all earthly trials due to our sin? No. Sometimes they're due to our sin, but no, they're not. Think about when Jesus in the Gospel of John heals the man born blind. And he's asked about this man. He says, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. I mean, that's what the Pharisees often thought in their head. Like, yeah, this this guy's suffering because of sin, certainly he's suffering. He's either suffering because of his own sin or he's suffering because his parents' sin. But clearly, someone sinned and this guy's suffering as a result. And Jesus is like, no. It's not a result of anyone's sin. It's so that right now, I'm gonna heal him right in front of you so that God will get glory. This man had gone through a lifetime of trial. He didn't live in a day like ours where there are helps uh, for students on college campuses who can't see. This man had a hard life. He needed to be dependent on others. He, and yet God had him walk through that so that he could see Christ. I mean, imagine that. The first time you see, you see the face of Jesus. So no, all earthly trials are not due to our sin because sometimes they are to train us for endurance. It is for discipline that you have to endure. They're, they're there to shape us. The Lord wants us to grow deeper. Why does every coach make you run? 
Why do those of you who play an instrument, why do you have to spend hours practicing your instrument? Because there's a need for endurance. There's a need for you to grow. There's a need for that repetition. It's, it's training. Even in hard times, like, like Job. I mean, Job lost all of his children. most of his wealth, and he lost his health, and then his three friends, who you thought were great, just like nag him for like 40 chapters as you read it. You're just like, ah, what friends these are. But Job's trial brought him into a far deeper understanding of the depths of God, that when God spoke, he was silent. Richard Phillips said, trials are designed to make us stronger, to apply force against the muscle of our faith, to push us forward toward our spiritual potential. They're used. They're used to strengthen us. Both correction and training are in view in this passage. It's not either or, it's both and. Both are used. Both types are present in our lives. God, God used them. That's why. That's why God uses them. So how? How does God carry out discipline? What does it look like in our lives? Well, if we look in verse 4, it says, in your struggle. And in verse 11, it says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. This is not really a point that I was fired up about talking about. Because God does carry out this work in us through struggle and pain, through trials and hard things in our lives. The Hebrew Christians who are being addressed experience slander and persecution and imprisonment. If we kind of flip back to verse, to chapter 10, Verses 32 to 24, the author, we can see the picture. These are the people that are hearing these words. But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated, for you had compassion on those in prison And you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. But they didn't experience that to the point of shedding their own blood to pay for the penalty of those who are falling under God's wrath. Michael Kruger said, a smooth, easy life may not be the good sign that you think it is. And the hard life of trials may not be the curse you think it is. We need to think biblically about the trials that we walk through. Because it's through struggle and it's through pain. I mean, we all resonate with this. Whenever you read or you hear someone read, for the the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. 
There's not a person in this room that goes, no, I disagree with that statement. It absolutely feels painful. Why do we even bother putting pleasant in the statement? It's painful. I don't like it. Discipline often involves pain. And this is, this is a hard one for us because we're Americans. We have any number of pain relievers available to us within 10 minutes of this place. Right? How many places can we go? And there's, there's not just an item that can relieve pain. There's a whole shelf of items that can relieve pain, both legal and illegal. Some things are now more legal in the state that we live in. We have all kinds of things. We're all about alleviating pain. We can't, no, if there's a measure of pain, we need to get rid of it right away. That's what we do. We live a life that is generally pain-free. I mean, compared to others in the world, if you've ever traveled overseas to a second or third world country, you're aware, like, we just don't experience pain to the level that others have to on a regular basis. But when we experience pain, the first place we often go is, what did I do wrong that's making this so hard? And C.S. Lewis said, God, he says this to kind of write the course as we think this. He says, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Difficulty often strips us down to reveal the core of who we are, to reveal what we actually believe. And so that's another reason we don't like pain, because we're like, this is really revealing who I am. I don't, I don't like that. I don't like the pain, and I don't like who I am, but God does that. He has to do that so that we can see, so that we will come running to him. Interesting thing is, we actually love this concept when we're seated in a theater watching a movie. We cheer on this concept. I mean, Recently, in my home, my older kids were watching this, this old Disney movie called The Emperor's New Groove, right? Like, arrogant king becomes like a llama or something, right? And, and you laugh because you all remember, like, how freaking out he was when he realized he's a llama. But you are like, Yes! If, if you're one of those superhero watchers and you see Tony Stark get totally humbled by getting thrown into a third world country prison, you're not feeling bad for him. Like, you're, he's an arrogant jerk. This is going to be good for him. Or maybe it's the character Eustace in Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah, selfish kid. So glad he turned into a dragon. Good for that. Because you know it was good for him. Or, hey, Paw Patrol, right? You all love Paw Patrol. 
They got to go do hard things, right? It's never smooth. There's always something hard that comes along. Why does hardship come along? To benefit good. So whatever your genre of movie or literature that you're reading, you're like, yeah, these things are good. These things are good for these characters because it reveals things and, and, and it's used to change them. But how much greater those characters that you might read about, they don't have a loving God who is the one that's pursuing you. He doesn't just have a temporary perspective so that someone isn't a jerk anymore. No, he has an eternal perspective that he wants you to bring him glory for all of eternity. And he wants to work in you right now and unearth things and allow you to see him and meet him in even the hardest things of life. Because he wants your life to testify to him and to bring him glory. And it will. But it will as we walk through hard things. It will as we walk through hard things. Now, struggle and pain often produce, they can produce in us a couple of, of different emotions, a lot of different emotions, but they can produce disdain and dismay in us. So disdain is when we experience discipline, we can be indifferent. Like, ah, I don't just, I don't, think this is really that big of a thing. It's just a thing people walk through. And we make every attempt to alleviate that suffering because it's, it's just not that big a deal. We don't notice it. We kind of try to press through it and we don't see the significance of things God's trying to do. Other times we dismay. We're overwhelmed. And even as I prayed at the beginning, some of you might be in that place. You're overwhelmed, paralyzed by, become weary by, become discouraged by, you're fed up by, whatever it is that, that's plaguing you. Again, we often start with the phrase, I don't know what God's trying to teach me. I need to figure out what God is trying to teach me. And we may not, oh, we may not know, we may not ever know on this side of eternity what it is that ultimately God is trying to accomplish. But if anything, he wants us to know his love. And we know, we don't have to know. Anyone who I know who's walked through a significant trial, and I mean something that's lasted longer than a year, they don't tend to say, yeah, uh, I walked through this because God did this. No, they, they tend to tell me, God met me here. And the Lord showed up in a way that I never anticipated here. And the Lord unearthed this thing here in my life, and the Lord revealed this to me in my life. They didn't need the answer of like some broad brushstroke, why is God doing this? And there needs to be one simple answer so that as, as if that would make it better. I, I, I have children. I've had to train them. And they ask, why? Why are you doing this to me? It usually doesn't sound that loving and in and desirous of my wisdom. But when I tell them, that never fixes it. They never go, oh, thank you. Thank you for your loving discipline. I'm so grateful for your wisdom that you saw that I needed this. If some of you are experiencing that in parenting, I need to learn something from you. But they don't. And we often don't. 
But why is it they can still come? Because as parents, when we discipline, we need to discipline out of love and affection, not out of anger. Discipline with purposefulness and intentionality. And we need to do things that remind our kids that we love them because there are going to be times we're going to do things that aren't going to feel like love, but they're actually love. And so this morning, we are studying this passage so we can be reminded, yes, God loves you. God sent his son for you. He wants to know that the, the hardships that you go through are used for your good because he loves you. We need to hear that. We need to hear it again because when it's hard, we can be tempted to fall into unbelief. May we say, it was good for me that I was afflicted. We need to realize, friends, that trials are an integral part of the Christian life. Just, just settle with that. Stop thinking, okay, when I get past this one, then I'm not going to have any more trials after that. Like, it's just part of the Christian life. Trials are a sign, not of God's neglect, but of his fatherly involvement. Affliction is a sign that we are children, not our conduct is, it, that our, it's that our conduct is important to God and has a bearing on his glory. He wants to change us. He wants us to know him more intimately. What is it God's trying to accomplish? He's, he's trying to, to change us and he's, he's, He's actually comforting us because this is proof of God's love. As we look in verses 5 and 6 and 7, it's proof of God's love. Discipline is not a sign that he's against you. Now, I know there are dark days. There are dark days when we feel like his hand is against us. But God's not an earthly parent. And there are times where we need to come to the Lord and confess when we have fallen short and ask for forgiveness. It's not a wrong thing sometimes when you're walking through a hard trial to go, Lord, have I, have I sinned? Because there, there are times in my life where I, I haven't done that. I've just been like, well, I'm just supposed to be going through this hard thing. Sometimes I do need to stop. And then I say, Lord, is there a sin I need to confess? And trust that the Holy Spirit will speak to me. And if the Holy Spirit doesn't go, yes, you're sinning in this place. Because generally when I ask that question, uh, things kind of flood into my mind if I have sinned in some way. Because the Spirit of God wants me to grow. But if you don't have an answer there, and if you've talked to some friends and they're like, I don't really see something there, don't dwell there. Don't dwell like, oh, God's just holding out on me. I must need to pray some more so that he can show me what my sin is. No, don't do that. No, like you're walking through a child, trial maybe because he's, he's wanting to change you and make you holy. Look at verses 10 and 11. For they disciplined us for a short time, talking about earthly parents, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Again, back to the image of those that we watch on the screen or read in the books. We're like, yes, this is good for them because they were trained by it, but we only get trained by it when we walk through hard things. 
And I don't like walking through hard things as much as the next brother or sister in Christ. But it is good. We know it's good. Paul even was struggling with the things he walked in with. He experienced this thorn in the flesh. And in 2 Corinthians, he says, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. I know one time I was sharing with my brother about a physical ailment that I was experiencing that was just constant. It was constantly bothering me, and it was a struggle. And he's just such a, a loving brother. He just sends this text back to me. Like, we have a relationship that he can do that, and it doesn't feel crushing, but immediately sends it. Like, yeah, it must be a messenger of Satan because you're too proud, so embrace it, brother. But for me, there are times I'm walking through things that I'm, I'm confident that God is actually using that to keep me from thinking too highly of myself. And in, in so doing, I think of others and God gets more glory. And we know from John 15, we've studied it together, that God prunes us so that why? So that we can bear more fruit not less fruit, not hindering the fruit. He prunes us so that we can bear more fruit. That's going to be happening pretty soon. As the fruit is harvested around our area, then some pruning is going to be going on. You're going to see some branches and things in a pile, and they're going to burn them in late fall. Why? Because they know next year these are going to bear more fruit. And so that's going to happen in your life, and that's a good thing. He is doing this for your good. It's not as simple as if I do the right thing, then my life will be stress-free and awesome. Jesus did absolutely everything right. Absolutely everything. He perfectly did everything. And he went to the cross for us. Now, as we close, I, I want to I bring up a passage that often gets quoted when you're walking through hard things. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Okay. We, we read that passage, and many Christians will read that passage, and they will say, well, God never gives me anything that I can't handle. The, the Bible doesn't say that. It says there, when temptations come, when temptations to sin come, there is a way of escape. But it doesn't say that you won't experience things that feel so crushing that you can't handle it. And here's the thing, friends, if you could handle it, Jesus would never have said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The reality is in this world, there are crushing things that come our way that we can't handle. 
but you need to know and go back to the place where we started. Consider him. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself. Consider him. He's the one who walks with you. You don't walk alone. He's the one who promised, I will never leave you or forsake you. He's the one who is seated at God's right hand and has the power to deal with the things in your life. He's the one who's waiting, and he's waiting. He doesn't know the day, but the day will come when God will say, it's time for you to come back. He's waiting to come back and to take you home. So as we encounter trials, brothers and sisters, let's rightly look at how God is going to use them in our lives and is using them in our lives. And may our gaze, rather than being clouded to look at Christ, may our gaze be to Christ and to know him and to know him intimately. Get rid of the ruler and embrace God's love for you. Let's pray. Father, Father, this text, though, though you give it to us and it's intended to be freeing to help us run to you, to help us not squander the trials that we're experiencing, it, it's, it's meant to do that. I know the writer was writing to the original hearers, calling them to look and see what God was doing in the midst of their pain and their struggle. Lord, right now, we're going to leave and we're going to go and that struggle is going to come and overwhelm us again. So I ask right now, Lord, that you would meet us here in this place. That we would know the love that you have for us and that you would turn our gaze to Christ. Turn our gaze to Christ right now. this Lord in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. Harvest Lakeshore exists to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org.